1: Hello, and thank you for joining us for another Housing Matters podcast. Your favorite data nerds are back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. My name is Jordan Levine. I'm the chief economist here at the California Association of Realtors, and I'm joined by my good friend and partner in crime, Oscar Way, our deputy chief economist. Hi, everyone. It's been a a crazy couple of weeks, I think, since we did this. We have some new market data that we want to talk to you about. And as we record this here on uh, the 18th of June, we're officially reopened. And so we want to talk about some of the economic implications and how that might play out across the market moving forward. But before we get into the kind of forward-looking stuff, let's take a minute and look in the rearview mirror because, you know, we put out some pretty eye-popping numbers at least at the headline level for the California
0: housing market in May, right? That's right. We just released some numbers a couple of days ago. Uh, as said said, we were on the 18th, just a couple of days ago, and they are very impressive uh, at the, at least at the hot headline level. And um, I think it, we, it's worthwhile discussing some of those numbers and see what some of the implications of uh, how it's uh, how it's going to pan out. You know, looking forward.
1: Yeah, totally. Because, you know, for me, I think the one that that the media latches on to are the growth rates. Right. Because mm-hmm. I think when you look at sales on a year to year basis, the the increase was, you know, almost 90 percent, 86.7 percent. And that is the number that really uh, leaps off the page. That's almost a doubling from where we were at this point in time last year. And yet, you know, it's also true that the levels have been sliding. So can you kind of help us unpack that? Because, you know, part of it's just that we're comparing it to, I guess, a bad
0: point in time last year. Absolutely. And uh, close to 90% is, you know, the number. And it's very true that last year at this point, uh, or in May of last year, we actually had the lowest point of sales uh, for the entire year. Uh, it's because of shutdown, it's because of uncertainty, Uh, People were not willing to put their house up on the market and also buyers were concerned about what would happen if the market collapsed like what we had 12, 13 years ago when not just the sales declined, but price declined as well. But since then, yes, we have improved significantly in the second half of 2020 and then in the first four or five months of 2021 and we had a sales of 445,660 in May But you're absolutely right. Uh, We shouldn't just focus on that. What we need to focus on also is sales. Yes, it's still pretty solid. But if you look at how it compares to the last few months in April or uh, March or so, it seems to be softening up a little bit.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's not for uh, a lack of demand. Look, if this was any time out, you know, pre 2020 we would have killed for 450,000 445,000 unit pace of of home sales really from the end of the great you know recession back in 2010 2009 depending on if we're measuring the broader economy or the housing market but you know we have really since that time struggled to get up above 400 420,000 units and so you know 445,000 is still a really big number by the standards of the, you know the the last decade right but mm-hmm. it's also true that as you know the market has been so hot through the second half of 2020 and the first quarter of 21 that we really have you know put ourselves up against it from an inventory standpoint because you know all of those sales have really come at the expense of what we have left on on the market and and that is what's creating this really competitive environment that's that's causing some buyers to either a you know, not be able to afford now that home prices set a new record again last month of of eight hundred and almost twenty thousand dollars, eight hundred eighteen two sixty. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you have just a lot of folks deciding to take a step back, and you see that uh, not just in the closed transaction numbers, which I think are a function of just not having enough homes to sell, but also you know mortgage applications and all that stuff, and and it really does come down to, to supply. What's interesting though, is that, you know, the, the market is still really kind of growing in a broad-based way. And one of the things that we were talking about on our call yesterday, or when we were going through the, the kind of finalizing of the press release numbers Uh was how, how strong the kind of core of California was, right? You have um, almost every county that we track going up, but really going up strong in places like Southern California, the Bay area, and even uh, the central coast where I live.
0: Yeah, and and again, part of the the strong growth we have to attribute to the shutdown. Remember, um, you mentioned about you know the core areas like Bay Area, for yeah. example, they did they did have a shutdown a little bit sooner than you know the uh, the uh, other areas, but they bounced back really strong as well. Yep. and we we talked about this before uh, in a past uh, podcast. The higher end, the higher price areas. Seem to be doing better compared to the you know, lower price, and we all know Bay area seem to have or continue to have, you know, some of the higher price uh, properties. Yeah, and 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 supply remain very very tight. You you mentioned about competitiveness. Um, yeah, we have a lot of competitiveness in the market. Uh, part of it is because of uh, people want to. You know, take advantage of the low rates. Still very low, uh, below three. If you look at the Freddie Mac 30-year fixed rate number, people want to take yeah. advantage of that, and um, you know just uh, make sure that they 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 get a piece of property. But at the same time, we're not seeing a lot of supply, you know, being put in the market. Um, and as such, you know, when you look at a price, uh, it actually increased close to forty uh, yeah. percent on a year-over-year basis second month with 800000 Now whether that is going to continue or not in the second half of the year, we'll have to see. Uh, but I do believe that the uh, the price growth probably will kind of uh, slow down Hopefully. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. we hope, I mean, right? That's the idea. I mean,
1: when you go back to your very first um, macro 101 course, right? And and you took microeconomics and drew the supply and demand chart up on the thing, that's, that's how it's supposed to work, right? That, that yeah. lots and lots of demand motivates its own supply because it it drives prices up beyond some equilibrium level and then it becomes more advantageous to to sell and and it certainly seems like an advantageous time to put your home on the market with the median time you know from from putting it on the mls to or going pending is just seven days you know tied for the all-time low with the previous month and why Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so many so many homes are selling above asking price. I think you reported seventy percent of the transactions that closed in May closed over asking price, which is just incredible. Also, uh, an all time high level, and I think that's where some of the the buyer fatigue comes from. You know, I did a steps to home ownership mm-hmm. um, event with our our transaction rescue. Team and and one of the realtors who was on that that event, Sabrina uh, Brown, was talking about you know just managing buyer expectations and how she's going in, uh, you know, when when she works with new buyers and saying, look, we're probably going to have to put in seven, eight, nine uh, offers before we're going to be able to to get you in and really coaching uh, patients. and that's kind of an eye eye popping. Um, number, right, that you expect to go in, you find a house, you put in your offer and to be able to, to get it. And so just really um, having to to kind of coach that patience just because how, how competitive it is. And if you don't have an agent who's managing your expectations like that, it's easy as a consumer to go, you know what, forget it. We're not, we're never going to get this. People keep coming in and putting in um, all cash offers or 30% down, you know, and all these kind of crazy things that we can't compete with. We're just going to kind of, uh, wait and see, and I do think that both that and the eight hundred twenty thousand dollars, give or take, price point is is kind of why we're seeing those mortgage applications slide, and why you know even though we're at a really high level of sales, that were that were not able to kind of hang on at that five hundred and ten thousand unit pace that we hit. Back in in December, and, and you touched on this already, but um, I think it's important to just underscore that that we're not out of the woods on the supply side yet, right? We do have a little bit more in terms of
0: our unsold inventory index, but we still have a long way to go, right? Yeah, you know, if you look at the inventory side, you know, we have the unsold inventory index. Now, remember, the unsold inventory index is a ratio between sales and uh, uh, and supply. And when you look at the inventory index, yeah, it, it, it inched up a little bit from 1.6 months in May and April to 1.8. So, you know, when yep. you look at that number, you might think, wow, that's great. You know, we're Moving in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, don't, uh, don't, don't forget that, you know, it does have something to do with, you know, some softening in sales as well, because May is right. not as strong as April. So that's why you have that index uh, being a little bit lower but the other side also is yes we are seeing some increase in uh, active listings in fact you know i think uh, the uh, maze level is actually the highest in the last 4 or 5 months yep but you also have to and we talked about this before you know you have to look at how much or how many new listings are being put up on the market right and and it does look like that uh, despite the fact that we are having a little bit more but at the same time we are um, not as strong as what we had in previous years um, right. not just comparing to last year but you know comparing to two to three years ago what we quote uh, uh, what we deemed as like pre pandemic normal right. um you were not we're not there at all yeah. and sales continue to exceed exceed uh uh, uh uh, for May sales continue to exceed, you know, the new active being listed. Yeah, I think uh, From a weekly survey, we're seeing a little bit of improvement, uh, but uh, we'll have to see if that trend continues.
1: Yeah, and part of it's seasonal. You know, like you said, when you look at it on a year-to-year basis, we're we're seeing new listings. You know, the amount that we're putting on the MLS every day is you know, starting to go up, you know, but, but when you compare it to again, a normal quote unquote market, we're still, you know, running less than half. And so, you know, things have started to move in the right direction. And that is really the thing that's going to unlock a more robust pace of, of home sales, but we still also got a a long way to go. And that's why, you know, we have just this, uh, kind of ongoing, 30 plus percent growth in in Mm -hmm. prices and all that stuff and and why you know I think that that we're going to have increasing challenges because now rates have started to go up which you mentioned as well and so that's going to be the kind of the double whammy if you will um, for for the future when you have prices going up by by you know 35 40 percent that's one thing but if it's happening at a time when rates are also going up then that's again kind of the one-two punch
0: yeah, and that's what you, uh, you referred to earlier as, you know, some of the buyer's fatigue, you know, right. with rates going up, with uh, tight market supply, and, you know, you can't blame buyers, you know, when you uh, uh, offer, make an offer, uh, make a five, four or five offers, and each of those offers have price above the asking price, and you're still not getting the property. Yep. Um, and, and based on some of the weekly surveys that we did, You know, buyers are are really showing some uh, buyers' fatigue. And I think, based on our uh, real response, maybe about 50%, a little bit over 50% of the buyers are expressing a little bit of uh, buyers' fatigue, maybe taking a week off or so uh, just to uh, wait for more supply to come up. And whether that is going to continue again, we will have to see how things pan out. Uh, But, you know, hopefully, you know, the reopening. Uh, could maybe uh, allow people a little bit more um, opportunities to go out, and uh, maybe uh, more sellers to put their house up in the market.
1: Yeah. So, do definitely. you want to talk
0: a little bit about the reopening? The
1: reopening is officially on, right? So, as of June fifteenth, the vast majority of the restrictions on you know economic activity and and kind of um, you know congregating and things like that are are uh-huh. no longer. In effect, so we don't have to do physical distancing that much anymore. The capacity limits on things like bars and restaurants, right?
0: right. Um,
1: you know, you can go get your haircut, do all that kind of stuff, and and that should have you know uh, a significant impact on the economy. There is some ongoing safety measures, right?
0: But yeah, I mean, of course, uh, when you're going to let's say a concert or you know a basketball game, I think uh, people. At least some people are still wearing masks. For, yeah. for, for There are some safety rules, depending on the facilities, on uh, like mega events. Um, uh, when you go on a uh, uh, bus or, you know, take uh, a subway, you still have to wear a mask. Uh, when you travel, you still have to wear a mask. Yeah. Of course, when you're sick, you know, you want to get tested. So there are some restrictions, there are some safety measures, and we know that, you know, those are necessary just to make sure that everyone is safe and we're going, we don't want another uh, uh, search in cases. Um, and. No, I was going to say it's
1: really interesting because when you look at the economic data, you know, and, and we're, this is the first time I've ever had to uh, bone up on medical knowledge and things like that, <laughs> and I would say that we are uh, far from being anything even close to resembling uh, medical experts and things like that, But but the reason why this matters for us is because You know, we we saw pretty clearly that in the vast majority of the economic data, whether it was the unemployment claims, the the home sales, the showings data Mm -hmm. that we were seeing in our weekly surveys, the consumer surveys that we were doing, asking, is it a good time to buy and sell? Those numbers were so highly and almost immediately correlated with the public health side of this when the public health Uh numbers were moving in the right direction. Uh, we were seeing home sales, you know, we couldn't keep up with, we were seeing unemployment come down. And when we lock down the economy almost overnight, you start shedding jobs and seeing sales go in the wrong direction, etc. And so, um, you know, that's why we kind of focus on the, the safety side and why we're optimistic about moving forward, right? Because when you know, when folks are able to go out and eat and when they're able to go get those haircuts and take their families out to do the kind of, you know, go to the movies and seek um, forms of entertainment that don't take place in front of your TV screen right on your couch that that those jobs come back pretty, mm-hmm. pretty quickly right when people are eating at your restaurant, you bring the hosts back right you bring the, the wait staff back and and so a lot of that stuff will materialize into ongoing economic strength, I think during the second half of the year. One of the cool things about working at CAR for me is not just that I get to work with guys like uh, Oscar and Samantha and Georgia and Guillermo, but also we have a, a really kind of top-notch set of, of other support for, for our members and, and our legal department in, in this crisis really stepped up to the plate. But if you want to know exactly what the the kind of rules of the road are for us specifically in real estate car has a, a great resource or set of resources it's like a little micro site with a lot of stuff about uh reopening and what what the protocols are for for open houses and stuff like that oscar do you want to just kind of give an overview
0: of where they can go to find some of that stuff sure yeah um, they did the, the our legal team spent a lot of time our communication team spent a lot of time putting things together and it's actually very easy to find you know the uh the uh, real estate or CR guideline for open house and showing, you can actually go to the CR website. And you know when you go to the CR website, right on top, actually at the uh, top of the screen, there's a panel that says uh, open house and showing guidance. Simply have to click on that, 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 that link and it will take you to a page. Now I can give you the specific uh, uh, link, which is at www.car.org. And then uh, backslash about us backslash media center backslash news and reopening resources. Now that's a lot of, you know, that link
1: sounds like it was made by an economist, not the
0: marketing department. (laughs) Right. But simply go to, and, and last I checked this morning, simply go to the Sierra website. There is a little panel up there. Click on it. It will take you to the page where you will find a lot of things. Now the, you can find a one page quick guide, you can pay uh, find a, a FA, FAQ, a and A uh, from on that page. But more importantly, there is a um, CR attorneys. They did a, a webinar just yeah. recently addressing the reopening, and the recording of that webinar is on that page also. So you can hear it uh, from some of the attorneys, some of the uh, uh, some of the uh, people who put their time on finding out what the reopening guideline is. Um, you can find a lot of things on there.
1: Yeah. And you might want to bookmark it too, because one of the things that uh, we've noticed is both in terms of like the kind of CDC and Cal OSHA is that there's still a lot, you know, unsettled about the rules of the road. They're still figuring stuff out. And Mm -hmm. so we expect that there's going to be, you know, more changes, ongoing changes over time, even if we don't know what those are now. And and so the good news is that 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 will probably be the resource where they will continue to put all the the kind of latest and greatest knowledge. So if they try and you know pull the carpet out from under us again or do some kind of <laughs> weird changes, you can go there and and find out they really do a a, a killer job of making sure that you guys have everything you need to kind of be successful. But what what that kind of means for the economy, again, as we said, is that, you know, we're going to see economic activity probably continue Mm -hmm. to to increase, right? And one of the things that we saw in the retail data was that not just, you know, was the retail data for May actually wasn't that great, right? I think it went uh, maybe down a little bit or the pace of growth was down at least from where it was. In, in previous months, but the mix of the growth really changed, right? Because we had um, a big increase in the service sector, right? In bars, at restaurants, in all of those kind of face-to-face interaction type of businesses that were really the ones that bore the brunt of the downturn. And and again, um, I think that that will, we'll see that kind of Continued rebalance, right? You're not going to buy giant TVs so that you can stay sitting on your couch for the next year. You're going to spend it more on, you know, less on those durable goods and more towards the kind of uh, activities and and entertainment. Which means that you know a lot of those small businesses that were really again hit so hard. Amazon's always been doing great selling TVs to people and delivering them to their house, but now we get the rest of the kind of what I would consider main street economy.
0: Hopefully, with with a little bit more reason to be optimistic. I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, when we looked at some of the numbers, we know that uh, in terms of, you know, the consumer spending or retail retail sales, March, you know, th- surged significantly by a double digit, like 11% on yeah. a month to month basis. And then in April, it kind of tamed down a little bit to 0.9%. And the latest number uh, you said it earlier, it actually dipped a little bit by 1.3%. Now don't take, you know, don't, you know, get this wrong, even 1.3% from an elevated level from March or April, yeah, they're still really high. decent. Yeah. Yeah. But we are switching gear absolutely to service sectors. And I'm actually um, pretty eager or excited to see, as, as Jordan mentioned, um, we just had the reopened couple of days ago, the official date. So we have actually have not had a weekend you know with uh, reopening so it will be interesting to see how you know this coming weekend uh, this is the father's day weekend yeah that we're going to see a lot of activities you know economic activities and restaurants bars and a couple things that uh, that also uh, could see some improve increase in activities like uh, theme parks for example absolutely
1: Um, disneyland's back open for business
0: yeah, a lot of, you know, places are open hotels
1: um, and things like that are going to be absolutely critical. I think the, the, the airline sector is, you mm-hmm. know, it's funny, I, I camped and that was one of the ways that I made it through this quarantine because you can be self contained, you're out in the middle of nowhere and we did some out at the uh, high desert and I drove past that uh that air force base out there in the high desert. And there was just so many parked, uh, you know, 747s that just weren't getting used, right? Like all the airlines were just storing unused aircrafts out there. And I think you're going to start to see them start to dust some of those, that equipment back off. And, and, you know, it's just a a totally different flavor of a crisis than what we had during the great recession, right? This was an unprecedented shock. We fell, Mm -hmm. you know, probably a little bit more than double, actually, of what we experienced in terms of total job losses back during the the Great Recession. And yet um, it it wasn't due to a complete rebalancing of our economy where we had too much eggs in in, too few baskets and everything was concentrated in mortgage finance. And that really um, took a big rebalancing and unwinding you know, and and basically led to like a, a seven-year jobsless recovery, right? Or we didn't get back to just to, to square one for almost seven years, whereas uh, most forecasts now have us get back towards peak jobs um, somewhere either late this year or, you know, by the end of 2022. And, mm-hmm. and, and again, it's because of the nature of the crisis where we had to really clamp down Um, But then, again, as as we're unclamping, those jobs come back at a much more rapid clip because we weren't just, you know, again, kind of having to reshuffle fundamental imbalances in our economy. This was more of a press pause and then press play again type of environment.
0: And, and, you know, the stimulus check uh, probably and well, not just the stimulus checks, the stimulus checks, as well as some of the federal benefit probably help, you know, the economy to continue to flow. Now, the federal um, uh, unemployment benefits, though, at the same time, that probably slowed down, um, you know, the uh, people going back to, to, uh, to jobs. Yeah. But at the same time, I think, you know, a lot of businesses, they're waiting. They've been waiting for the reopening to kind of see how things pan out. Of course, many businesses, uh, they have suffered, you know, for 12 months of uh, partially closing. They're not just going to hire everyone back all at the same time. But you can and and anticipate, you know, a ramp up in uh, job growth in the next couple quarter or so. Yeah, uh, I think many economists uh, previously believed that it's not going to come back. Uh, the it's not going to be back to the pre-pandemic level until 2023 or so. But you said it right, Jordan, that uh, it might expedite to maybe even f- uh, end of this year or first or second quarter of next year.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. Minimal we're, uh, we, we get, every time we get more economic data, it seems like we become more optimistic. Now, the flip side of that is that, you know, our biggest <laughs> strength could become our, our biggest weakness, right? Because one of the things that we've seen, and I'm still not totally convinced that we've seen a structural uptick in long-term inflation that's going to precipitate the kind of rate increases that that some folks are forecasting or worried about. And yet, we do have near-term inflation, right? The the kind of imbalance where some demand is coming back so much more quickly than supply. We can't hire folks fast as fast as we can order sandwiches at restaurants, right? And that's just a fact of life, um, and and leading to some inflation. That's why we do see rates going up. The Fed just had their meeting this week and and talked about how they aren't doing anything, but maybe signaled that they'd be more willing to maybe do something maybe sooner than they were thinking about before. And the bond market freaks out, right? We see that mortgage rates on a daily basis, even though the Fed, are, this is like, I think the first time in the cycle where Freddie Mac's been going the, the opposite direction of the daily mortgage rates. But we have seen about a week and a half of daily numbers going up. I think Mortgage Daily News this morning was at, uh, you know, three and a quarter for the 30 right. year fixed rate mortgage. And so, um, you know, that again, is going to have a, a big bite out of, out of affordability.
0: And, and and I see, you know, the the reason why the Freddie Mac may be going against the mortgage news daily mm-hmm. uh, is because, you know, the I think the Fed made the announcement uh, early part of the week and the last, so early part of the week, meaning maybe about the 14th or so, and I I checked them the daily numbers from Mortgage News Daily. It didn't really rise until like three or four days earlier. So okay. the, the Freddie Max numbers are still baking in, you know, some of the yeah, the lower rates week. from two, three weeks ago. Right. Or yeah. for you know, at least the first half of the week. I'm I'm pretty sure next week when they release their weekly number, it's going to be a, a little bit higher just because of the fact that you know, in the last three or four days, uh, we're seeing if from at least for the daily number inching up by what 10 or 15 basis point um yeah. no and it's affecting my own personal
1: finances <laughs> because you know i had a, I i was this close to locking in just one last refi at 2.96 percent and then like uh right as i was in the middle of locking the the next day the mm-hmm. the guy called and said that that actually they now want a point and i was like what so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be painful. You know, the, the kind of refi boom is probably going to start winding down, but, you know, I think that's maybe all the more reason to, you know, stay patient, stay with it, you know, uh-huh. have a kind of, uh, you know, channel your inner Sabrina Brown to, to kind of stick with it because, you know, you could end up saving a lot of money, even though you're getting in as long as you're not overpaying. And I think that is the big challenge for buyers right now is to, um, you know, not get sucked into the trap of of overpaying just because the market's so competitive, and you want to get in while you know before rates go up. But you know, if you if you get in for the long term, low rates really do help out.
0: Yeah. So we we just talked a little bit about you know how the reopening affect the interest rates or loan or financing in the housing market. So what are some of the other aspects? What about supply? Do you think you know we're going to see a little bit more supply? I hope so, because I think that, you know, a not just the kind of supply and
1: demand component that we talked about where the high prices and quick time to sell and no discounting, you know, you don't even have to learn how to negotiate at this point as a seller, (laughs) Um, you know, but so I think that part is going to be in play. But I also think there's just a pent up supply Mm -hmm. aspect to this that, you know, where we've delayed sales that maybe would have happened over the course of the last 18 months or so. But for. The public health you know issues people didn't want to deal with you couldn't have open houses right people didn't want to deal with having uh, random people coming in and out of their homes they you know mm-hmm. there wasn't uh, a, a big sense of urgency right because nobody was going back to school or anything so you didn't need to like hurry up and get in before the school year started and do all that kind of crazy stuff that I think will compound the supply and demand effect hopefully as we get towards more broad reopening because you have a lot of folks who wanted to move in addition to just going oh my gosh it's a it's a good you know kind of economic time to put my house on the market but now just actually being able to express some of that supply um i'm hopeful but you know again i think that we have to be limited in our optimism because there's still a kind of um, just overall number, a housing stock issue, right? That we just don't sure. even have enough homes to sell. Even if we went back to normal levels of turnover, it's on a depressed base of housing stock. So, so there's a, you know, I don't think that we're going to all of a sudden come rocketing back to 55% housing affordability or anything like that anytime soon, but we might get a few more listings that will help us to sustain that kind of 400 plus, um, you know, up in the 450,000 unit range, maybe for for deeper into the year, shall we say, than, than is otherwise going to be the case when prices are going up by 40% and, and right. you know, listings are down by almost 50.
0: And I think, you know, uh, the, the, the supply side, for, for, uh, sticking on, stay, staying with the supplied for a little bit it may be a little bit more wide uh, uh, broadly distributed meaning you know we might see a little bit more supply on the low end as well yeah. uh, which we have not been seeing and you know we might Absolutely. be seeing a little bit of normalization on the supply distribution but at the same time with a little bit more supply that means you know we are not going to see as significant a price growth that, as we have seen in the last you know at least few months with close to 40% increase in price right hopefully right. We're still going to see, you know, some I I still believe that, you know, home prices are still going to be a little bit elevated, uh, but we're not seeing 30, 40 percent or maybe 30 percent in the next month or so. Uh, But if you you have other
1: options to choose from, then you don't have to go so crazy fighting over, Mm -hmm. you know, what's out there. So.
0: Yeah. What about um, uh, buying interest in, you know, uh, more major metropolitan area? Because we were concerned about that, you know, uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic. But I think, you know, that uh, concern kind of subsided a little bit. But you think uh, reopening will uh, rekindle some interest in buying in, uh, let's say, uh, San Francisco or L.A.?
1: absolutely like i i've never given up on cities i thought we were too quick to write off you know even though i'm i'm one of my favorite topics to talk about is the lack of supply and how it drives people out of california and you are seeing that you saw you know the the weakest population growth that we've ever recorded in california last year it actually went down for the first time in recorded history and and that is problematic, but, you know, those numbers are still relatively small from the standpoint of our overall population, right? Even with the all-time high number of 261,000 people having left California last year, Mm -hmm. it's still a relative drop in the bucket to 40 million person uh, population, right? At least from a kind of buying standpoint. And, And it's interesting because, you know, you hear it anecdotally, right? That that initial surge out to Tahoe and Big Bear and all that stuff, kind of subsided, but you see it in the data as well, both in terms of the sales numbers, right? Where not just in terms of percentages, right? We talked about how some of those percentage increases in sales are are exaggerated because, you know, this time last year was terrible. Uh But when you look at the actual level of home sales and how, you know, each region compares to its kind of pre-crisis level of home sales, the areas that are the most above their pre-crisis level of housing sales are the bay area the central coast and southern california right right? so um you know and and you see it in the size of the home i think when you crunch those numbers a year ago i think we saw the median closed square footage of a home went up by like 100 or 120 square feet almost overnight right like those april 2020 numbers showed a big increase in the size of home and then that has also started to come back down right so true all of those kind of initial trends. And I think that we did have some folks with the flexibility, with the income, with the wherewithal to take advantage of those extremely low rates and the fact that they didn't have to go to the office. And they said, hey, we're gonna work out of our big bear cabin, or we're gonna go buy a, a house in Tahoe on the lake, right? And, and, and the folks who could do that did that very early on in the crisis. And now we're left with you know, a, a kind of composition of housing demand that looks a lot like how it did before the crisis.
0: And, and it's also true that I think uh, we might have a little bit of people moving, you know, out to suburban areas at the very beginning, but at the same time, you know, not everyone, well, now that, you know, we've, we've talked about remote working before, working right. from home. Now, uh, it's, of course, at the beginning, we thought, okay, well, everyone is working from home, yeah you know? But, you know, slowly, I think we are seeing people, some people, not everyone going back to the office a little bit, at least work partly in the office. So, you know, it's, it's, I think, you know, going back to uh, buying residential in uh, major metropolitan area, you know, when you don't have supply in a suburban area, you have to go back, right? you know, yeah, whatever. exactly.
1: um. And, you know, old habits die hard as well, right? Like, you know, once you can go back to the office, everyone's thinking 100% at home. And then, you know, you get your, your kind of boss goes back to the office and likes the way it feels and wants to get back to, to some feeling of normalcy. And then you're like, yeah, maybe it's more like 15-20% <laughs> remote. Maybe it's like a couple days a week. Maybe it's not at right? all. Some folks have to go back, uh, you know no matter what. And, and the other thing I think that the cities do have going for them is the cultural aspects, right? We have spent a lot of time cooped up and, and that is one of the big draws of cities, right? You know, in, in LA as unaffordable as it was, as congested as it was, as bad as the smog and things were. I mean, you know, I, I can attest now living in a small community that, that as much as I don't miss all that congestion and things like that, it was nice having, every single, you know, type of cuisine that you could ever imagine <laughs> within, you know, a couple of miles. You could go have Ethiopian food. You could go, you know, to a Korean barbecue for lunch. You could go do all of that stuff which I think that people are really craving at this point in town. Now I can actually go out to a restaurant and I've eaten at the five restaurants that are in my town now uh, and i I'm fully run through and caught up on <laughs> on all my dining out in my town whereas, you know, I think that folks are really going to be excited about the ability to explore, to go to a Dodgers game, to go watch the Sacramento Kings uh, play and, and you know, kind of enjoy ourselves again, which I think has been also very heavily delayed in addition to, to maybe the folks putting their homes on the market. So I think that, sure. uh, you know, when, when it comes to our forecast, we're pretty much forecasting broad-based growth. I think most parts of the state are going to see see growth, but I think that uh, that's that's true in the cities too. And I think it's worth saying that out loud for, for how much we we read in the paper about, you know, everybody's kind of leaving California in droves. No one wants to live in, in the cities anymore.
0: Yeah, and there, there are certain sectors that, you know, I, we may not see uh, immediate improvement right away. For example, um, investor sectors, maybe it's still a little bit slow. I think we do our weekly uh, survey and yeah. we ask people about, you know, whether they're buying for, uh, as an investment properties or not, uh, we're still seeing somewhere around 8% or so right. of investors, uh, of sales being invested, uh, investment properties as compared to somewhere around 12, 13, 14%, you know, pre-pandemic couple of years ago. yeah. So, I mean, of course, uh, Eviction moratorium is still probably something people are concerned about. Um, renters not being able to pay their rents, that's yep. probably another issue. I, um, but, I'm kind of uh,
1: optimistic on that from a supply standpoint, though. I think that there may be some investors out there who are sitting on rental properties and and maybe want to get out of the business, but for the moratorium, right, prices are, are high. California's got a, a kind of uncertain outlook at best when it comes to the kind of uh, property management, rental property environment from a policy standpoint and the kind of issues that you're going to have to face for running a business like that, right? And I think that that could create some new uh, supply. I don't think it's going to be a flood, right? Because actually what we've seen in some of the survey data is that Renters have really been prioritizing housing with the uh, limited financial resources, so that was not the first thing to be cut. They didn't just uh, stop paying rents because there was an eviction moratorium, even though you know that might you know kind of be one of the things that you could think of as being an incentive to not pay your rent. If I can't get kicked out, why am I going to pay the rent? But it does seem like um, that was prioritized even above car payments or mm-hmm. um, other types of financial obligations.
0: And then, of course, another uh, segment that or another sec, uh, uh, part of the uh, real estate industry is probably international buyers. Uh, mm-hmm. because we still have international travel restrictions, uh, for one thing. Yeah. Um, and we have seen a significant growth in price uh, in the last 12 months or so. So some of the foreign buyers and international buyers may hold off a little bit uh, for you know, another few months or so before jumping back in.
1: Yeah, definitely. But I do think international buyers, especially those doing well economically, will continue to find California attractive as high as prices go. And this is one of the areas where, um, you know, all things being relative can kind of have a negative impact on us, right? But if you go to some of these really expensive, markets in the rest of the world, right? Like as, as kind of unaffordable as we think that San Francisco is, or, um, you know, even some of the really expensive markets in places like Orange County. I think somebody contacted me about a development that they were doing with like a 1200 Dollars per square foot thing in Malibu and wondering if that was too much. But, you know, to people who are in Hong Kong or thinking about buying property in Singapore and places like that, where you're staring down the barrel of several thousand dollars, you know, in some cases, $5,000 a square foot uh, property, then, you know, I think that from that standpoint, those kind of well-to-do foreign buyers are still going to be attracted to the California
0: market. It just might take a while for that to start right. gaining traction again. That's true. Um, well, I think, you know, there will be definitely a lot more. Um, we will find out, uh, you know, once we get a little bit more sense of how the reopening uh, uh, impact the market as well as the economy. Uh, but that's going to take some time for us to observe. Maybe by the next podcast, we'll have a little bit more evidence. Yeah, exactly. So, I, you
1: know, I I don't know how long we've gone on. I always enjoy talking with you so much. So I feel like I could just go on for for hours and hours, but I think we've covered a lot, right? We talked about the market. It did well in May, but not necessarily as well as what those headline numbers would suggest. So really get Mm -hmm. out there and work on the the supply angle. You know, you got uh, Prop 19 to sell, right? We can get people into new homes without sacrificing their property tax base. We have, you know, very favorable conditions from a seller standpoint in terms of the speed with which you can sell your home, the, the minimal, if at all, haggling that you'll have to do. And we talked about just what that broader macro picture is going to look like over the course of the next couple of months which continues to be a kind of encouraging um you know view forward with a couple of things that we just got to be cognizant of and and to be careful to monitor so i think we'll we'll leave it there for the next couple of weeks and when we know more we'll make sure that you do too yes we do so uh yeah all right oscar thank you so much for your time thank you all for your uh for your time and for always listening and we'll see you on the next one see ya